Hi, this is Maury Moreland Morrison, here to tell you GEICO has more than just great savings. Much more. Yes, while GEICO could help you rack up more moolah faster than you can say metamorphosis, they've also been the fastest-growing auto insurer for more than 10 years. That's more like it. Furthermore, GEICO has fast and friendly claim service. That might seem like an oxymoron, but it's not. All the more reason to say no other auto insurer has more more than GEICO. GEICO. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Right. <laughs> yeah. Now you're playing it over the music. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to like that. The, yeah, the JazzyFilmReview.com podcast. I am your host, FilmReview.com's own Mark Eastman, and with me, as always, is co-host extraordinaire Shane Leonard. Hello. And this week, you are tuning in for our review of The Martian. The Martian. Because it's the biggest baddest thing ever yeah I can't, I can't believe like all the hype this thing had yeah. um it, it's like you just could not not hear about it i, I hope we were going to hear about it anyway but you know there are these funny conspiracy theorists who are who are accusing nasa of tying in the discovery of water yeah yeah to this and i think they they, they, they had that information yeah. for a long time and, and they, they held, just, on, they to held on to it That's i right. certainly think that the timing is coincidental and interesting but i, I NASA is not really one. They do movie tie-ins no. with information. It, no, like it that, was really so. funny that that just showed up. But yeah, right it's all then. about Mars if it, right if now. It would have been, if it would have been the day of release right. or something like right. that, if it would have been just well, that perfect, then it, you might say, wait a minute. And I, and I read one who said that they timed the uh, – I mean, I was just amused at the, the snippet in the news feed. One, one person had suggested that they had timed the release properly with the super blood moon because it resembled the red planet, right. which is tying in, you know. And I'm like, people got more time on their hands. I, I'm, I pr- I'm pretty that. sure NASA actually, it's even worse than that. They faked that whole water thing. They made it right, a lot right, just to release right. some they have, information. They have a, they have the a Hubble super soaker. That's and right. It, and it, that's why California has no water. Uh, that's right. Look at us. This is our next Com- podcast. We can do this. Yeah. We could run and create Fan theory nonsense. Yeah. Oh, man. That episode. That'd I don't be- know. There might be something to that. Uh, this week, we don't really have a whole lot of news. Yeah. Um, but we do have the really big news of the uh, Critics' Choice Awards, which is uh, it was just announced like Wednesday, I think. Might have been Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. And uh, really cool news, I think. Um, so uh, the Broadcast Film Critics Association that does the Critics' Choice Movie Awards every right. year and the Splinter Offshoot uh, group, the Broadcast <laughs> Television Journalists Association, right. who does the Critics' Choice Television Awards, which have been around, I feel like this year would have been the fifth year. I'm not, a- I'm right. not absolutely sure about that, but the next time we had uh, an awards for that would have been the fifth. Right. So now apparently, uh, last year was the first year both shows were on A&E, and uh, A&E apparently loves us or something I don't right. know. or hates us maybe there could be a, there's, there's another way to look at that there could be a version where they don't like us, yeah. <laughs> and and maybe that could be it too but uh either way the uh the a and e uh people you know came together with the broadcast film critics association people and decided to make it all one big show so it's going to be like the golden globes it's going to be something closer to the golden globes where they anyway where they do the movie and the tv all in one giant 
spectacular, spectacular. One so huge, yeah, it'll be That's all a good way to put it. It'll be all one uh, giant show, and it's right. going to be. I'm almost positive January 17th this year. So it's so instead of yeah. waiting till something like April or May when the television show used to happen, right? Now it's just all going to be together, and I think. Um, and I could be wrong about this, but I think that what they're also going to do is the nomination and voting process and everything for the two different shows was very different. Um, so the movies kind of happened exactly the way the Academy Awards nomination and voting and everything happens. And, and really it's just all the members throw out nominations. Right. And you just uh, send in a big list and you have to put it in order, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like uh, nominate ones, twos and threes. What a nightmare whatever, it would be right? if it was out of just any order. Right. Like we like this one. So then then they run it all through an algorithm of what got the most one votes and blah, 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 blah. And then uh, you, and then you get your nominees. And the television show was actually very different. And it was kind of there were little subcommittees. And they would, you know, just have a big discussion about it. And the subcommittees would come up with the nominations in the various categories. Yeah. And then everyone would vote on those nominees. But there was not really universal input on what the nominees would be. Because if you weren't on the committee, you, you, were, you, you were not think, involved right. in what was getting nominated. Right. So I think that what's going to happen is they're going to change it all to just be one giant process right that's all all combined but so the whole show will be one giant thing and like the golden globes uh then you get every star from everything in the universe right to all be all at the in one uh, big place all the same sure. night. so and that's legitimate making and that is actually going to get uh triple broadcast uh so it's going to be on live all at the same time a and e lifetime i want to say and lmn so right. it's going to be uh it's going to be everywhere and uh, it's going to be a gigantic big deal this year so that's cool um oddly it has pushed up the nominating even a little bit earlier than it was last year right and, and last year and last year early. it was already early right you were sweating a bit of it because you so had so I, many things I, I to was, see and man. things just kept coming in all at once yeah it was it was kind of insane yeah. when they suddenly said uh it was like the 18th. Or, uh, I mean, it was yeah, something. Real yeah. So early. it starts this year, I think, on December 7th. So the nom- yeah. y- y- the initial start date of nominating is somewhere around December 7th. Right. Which is just crazy. I mean, there's so much stuff. Uh, you know, there's the things that you didn't catch all year because you didn't watch everything right. that came out the whole yeah. year. And then also there's all the stuff from December that you know and and not only that but a lot of things this year especially from what i'm hearing anyway there uh there are always some movies like this but this year there are a bunch of movies that aren't really coming out until january right but they're getting like one play somewhere yeah on like the 30th talk about so that it counts yeah right yeah and and then you have to watch all those too yeah i mean yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be uh, November is going to be real fun month right. of doing nothing. Um, yeah. So uh, the Martian and uh, this week we don't have a critic takedown um, because 
actually because we got too many things and yeah. I was too far behind. Yeah. We got several emails of some good suggestions. Oh, but I haven't yeah. I haven't had time to go through them all. This oh. has just been kind of a crazy week. So yeah. um and a couple of them, like I said, um, you know, please keep sending those into us because it's sure. awesome. But sometimes just because you send it in does not necessarily mean we're gonna do it. Because that what means. happens is uh, there are a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's a movie that someone else thinks is bad and I can kind of see their point. Yeah. Or, um, you know, like, let's say we liked the movie and the other person didn't like it. They didn't like it as much as us, but it's not really like they hated it. Right. So it's not really, <laughs> so we're looking not, for egregious, you know, we, we see it, right. a masterpiece and they think it was trash or vice versa. We right. Think and it's horrid and they think it's forever. And, and, and the thing is that, uh, you know, there are actually good critics out there. <laughs> two, <laughs> two of them right in this room. We're not the only ones, oh, right? Oh, I see what you mean. So, well, so right. if we love a movie or we hate it, just because you find someone who has the opposite view does right. not mean that I'm willing to say that their review is bad. You right. know, there are right. people who write reviews that are the opposite of ours sure. and they have legitimate points that right. I don't agree with, but at right. least they're, they're structural. They're working a serious, yeah. you know, angle of not liking the movie Versus or liking some, it, whatever. Which we have seen. Yeah. If your argument is structural and sound, though, just different than mine, I, I respect it and I can walk away from it still thinking good. You right, know, but if you but if you different. like it because if you like Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull because look, it's very shiny. Right, right. <laughs> or if you just if you rate a movie based on the trailer like that Roger you watched. Ebert. Right, we always like to take a <laughs> shot at Roger, who's the the grand poobah of the critic takedown. But yeah. if you, we've seen a few where people just clearly weren't watching the movie because the things in their review, though in the trailer, don't even happen in the right. film. I remember that was like one of the first ones. I'm like, did he right. even watch the movie? Right. So I don't even know what that person. Which, as time goes on, is it's getting... funny to bust people that do that because they do it more and more. I, I know. And what's what's really weird about it is that as time goes on, it becomes more and more possible to happen. Yeah. Because way more off. If you went back like 10, 15 years ago, right. There would never be anything in the trailer that wasn't in the movie. Right. That like never right. happened. Right. If it if it if you caught it once, it would be a giant deal. Right. You'd go, whoa! Remember yeah. how that was in the trailer? And if you go back even farther, it really would never happen. Right. But nowadays, it seems like pretty much every other trailer sure. has has at least trailers. right has at least one scene that doesn't really happen in the movie. So. Yeah. So yeah, it's surprising how it's much weird. how much that comes up when someone will yeah. say will not like a movie and say I hated this part, right? Well, so you didn't like the trailer, right? You yeah. didn't like <laughs> those because, are our favorites. Let's do yeah. more of those. Yeah, yeah, those are awesome. Anyway, uh, anyway, so well, this will be a short podcast then. I don't, no I don't no, think so. No takedown. We got just the Martian. Look, but. But you have lots to say about The Martian. That's what I'm thinking. I, I don't know if I have a lot to say about The Martian. I'm sure we'll talk about The Martian a lot. But. Well, you, but you hated it, right? Well, we'll anyway. we're find uh, out. Well, it, it, just as a weird segue, if we're, if we're going to start talking about The Martian. We probably you, are because there's not a lot of uh, I read the books. books. Did you read the No, books? I did not okay, read the books. So this will be an interesting – because we often, much to your chagrin, if we don't deviate you know, in, in weird movies, we're pretty close often – you know, we're within a star or a star right. and a half. So this will be an interesting, you know, exercise of sorts. To see you hate it because film. you read the book and... And you love it because you didn't. Maybe. All I don't right. Know. Well. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, there's not a lot of news. But I do want to say this before we 
fully jump into the Martian because this, I feel like this could actually be a movie where there is a lot of different stuff going on for people who read the book versus didn't read the book. Yeah. I don't know the book, so I don't know right. if that's true. Right. But it seems like there are specific points, uh, maybe that I did like, maybe that I did like, didn't like, but there are specific things where, you know, I really feel like the book has to be better because of whatever. Right. And then there are some things where I'm thinking, if this is in the book, you should change it for the movie right. and it should not be in the book right. because, you know, whatever. But it really, I, at the end of this movie, all I could think was, I bet the book is a lot better because there's, there's a whole other side of things that really, I bet you get a lot more of in the book. Right. And you just don't get it in the movie. Well, so I'll, I'll say this. The, the movie is a rather faithful adaptation of the book in almost nearly every way. But sometimes the things that the movie addresses are terrible abridgments of what right. is in the book. Sure. There are certain things that happen that when I'm watching the movie and I'm thinking, okay, they're going to leave this whole thing out. And that's okay because right now the narrative is pushing in this direction. And in the book, it makes sense because it's a book, right. you know, but you got a different running time when you're reading a book and then for them to throw certain things in, you know, it didn't, it didn't hurt the movie so much as far as what I'm going to grade it, but it was a distraction to see them basically do fan service. Like for the people that read the book, right, they're no going to get mad purpose. if we don't have sure. this person say this thing sure. or do this thing. And in the context of the film I'm watching, it doesn't matter. Right. So it's kind of it like didn't it, really it's do kind of anything, weird. So, it doesn't do yeah. a thing to help. It, it actually. All right. Just, so. uh, we're totally just going into the movie anyway. So we might as well just now do the rating. Like and plus around. we're right at time almost. Right. So. Right. It's time. I, I struggled a little bit in certain ways with what, you know, my reaction the second I walked out of the theater. And as I had maybe like an hour or two after to kind of think about it. I moved around a little bit, but pretty much I couldn't get myself. I tried to talk myself in both directions. Yeah. Like to go a little higher and a little lower. And I couldn't get myself off of eight. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I pretty much felt like that's, that's eight. Where it's at. And as I tried to like replay certain things and think about a lot of, uh, I mean, it's, it's a long movie and it feels a little long, Yeah, but not necessarily in a bad way. It you just know it's long, right. but it's not. It's not one of those movies where you're going, "Oh my God, get on with it" or something. Right. It's right. not. It's not really dragging, but you're aware that you've been there for a while right. watching it. Right. So it's kind of long, and so I'm trying to play through a lot of different things, and I just I couldn't really move from eight. Yeah, you know? I, I I liked a lot of it. I really kind of loved some of it. And there, there was a fair amount of it that kind of bugged me mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, we'll get into that, but yeah. so what are you, I, I'm eight, ah, uh, you know, I, you I'm at an eight, I'm, I'm at a, you, you could have made me go first. I would have been, I would have uh, been at an eight easy. I don't think I was really much above eight at all. Maybe the first hour, you know, I thought this could be nine. Yeah. Uh, the, because the, it moved. I, very, I would say like the first, like maybe 30 or 40 minutes. Yeah. I was kind of watching it going, hmm. this is putting all the, place, yeah, right, all, the right. all the pieces in place to be something really fantastic. You know, it, it, as a, 
you, you know, I'm watching this film and a couple of films, it immediately makes me think of the, the silliest game is to play, you know, if two inanimate objects had a child, what would it be? You know, and in this instance, what I could tell anybody, and I, and I said to one, one friend uh, yesterday, that if, if you like Apollo 13 and you like Castaway, this is their child. Right. This is the bastard child of those two films, and it has nothing to do with me having a particular Tom Hanks affinity. But the stuff that they do for NASA's, you know, workings is, is really fun. And, and one of the things that The Martian benefits from is this enormous cast. Like right. you could take any two of these people. There's basically three uh, locations. There's Earth with NASA. There's Martian, you know, stuff with Matt Damon. And then there's the Hermes crew. Right. And if you had any one of those as the star of your movie, you've basically got a good film on its own. You're putting right. all of these together. And it's actually kind of interesting to see all the star power. Um, but there were certain things in the film I felt like, like you said, it, it didn't necessarily... I mean, at two hours and 21 minutes, that's well beyond our realm of like, you got to cut something. Right. We're notorious for saying it's got to be shorter. But when you sit down to see this, you know that a guy can't solve his problems on Mars in 90 minutes. Like, I know there's right. going to be time because there's bureaucracy, there's political, scientific wrangling. But still, there were times where I don't know that I was bored, but I was just waiting. But there, there and, are a lot of moments where you are kind of you get a weird sense where, like I said, it's not like it's not like you're bored and you're just kind of sitting there going, I hate that I'm still right. watching this. Right. But there are a lot of moments in the movie where you're just kind of sitting there going, well, this is what I have to suffer through. Right. To get and I to know. The next part. Right. And right. I have to I have to, you know, I have to watch this uh, nerdy astrophysicist mm -hmm. tell his goofy story in right. a goofy way and be kind of uh flippant and obnoxious even right. though you, you really could cut that whole you could cut that whole character out yeah and uh well maybe not cut them all the way out but just show them like in the office and they like send someone an email right and then right. they go well okay let's figure this out and it would be the same thing like that's that's a thing that to me felt like that was in the book yeah and people who read the book don't want that guy to disappear completely right but at the same time, you've got people working on the screenplay going, I just don't need him. Yeah, right. I, I don't need him to be here at all. And the, and so then you, know, you have to kind of come up with this happy medium right. you think you're coming up with. There, there's a couple of interesting things, you know, that that I, I don't know that I'm terribly surprised about anymore. Like Ridley Scott, it feels like to me, is is this guy who puts this, ma oh my God, puts this like massive uh, production into play. And then, like, has the pace sometimes of a glacial melting. Right. And then in the last 15 minutes, zoom, done. Right. Exactly. Like, it, that's, that's what he does. Like, it's, it's been, you know, even in a lot of films that I'm not psyched about, like, you know, he did this in Prometheus, you know, and I'm looking back actually through his last bunch of films, and man. And he's just not that good. He, he, <laughs> he doesn't seem to be that good anymore, but he's still very, you know, I don't want to get a bunch of Ridley Scott fans mad, because I actually like Ridley Scott's earlier work I, I, I like his early his stuff. later stuff i'm not that wild i like his early stuff a lot looking. too but you know for me he's just kind of gone wrong at this point i don't know exactly how it happened yeah but especially when you get this uh you know prometheus two three and four right. on the way right. or whatever you know it's like dude have an idea 
that is something beyond the idea you had you, 30 years ago right. that people liked. It's remember, like, remember when Prometheus came out and people were saying, uh, you know, I remember lo- seeing this after the fact because I didn't look at anything before the reviews that we did, but they were saying, man, what a wreck of a film. But it's one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. Right. This is not by any means a wreck of a movie. And, no. and, it, and it, it might be one of these shows where, again, we rate this thing an eight and we right. just start ripping on it left right. and right. It's a beautiful movie. And, and strangely enough, it's in 3D and we didn't see it in 3D. And we talked about this on the way out. I don't feel that we suffered anything. No. Like, I think that there would have been some... There, know, there would be some fun things, space stuff, but I don't know that you have to. But have I don't it, think right? there was any reason to have it necessarily. Um, but, but the pacing of the film just feels so weird as it gets closer and closer to the end. Because you know, in my mind, not only because I've read the book, but I just know there's certain things you have to wrap up. And I'm thinking, wow, this is going to really come together fast. I didn't know if you felt that way. It, it just seems like another no, flashbang kind of ending. Yeah, it, it really does do that. And not only that, but I thought it was, as I was watching it, very odd because uh, because it so stresses every day. Right. Each for so long. Yeah. Yeah, and then all and then sudden, all of a sudden it goes seven yeah. months later. Right. And I you're remember like, you went, what? I remember you. I heard you <laughs> in the theater. You went, what? Are I know. Are you kidding? Me? Because the thing keeps right. going. Okay, it's day one. It's yep. day two. It's day four. Mm-hmm. It's day six. And right. we're watching yep. this guy survive right. on Mars where you can't possibly survive. Yeah. And we have to look at him every day or every couple of days right. or something to go, oh, my God, how is he still surviving? Yeah. And then you get to a point where it just goes, OK, seven months later. Right. And you're like, what the okay. hell? And then and I feel like, and that's... then it's just kind of like you said, it's just right. kind of like, okay, zip, wrap it up, right. end it. Uh, and that's a that's a weird way to to get a denouement for your story, but it, you know, and it's kind of like it uh, almost is like par for the course for these. It, films it's almost too, like you know? the, the the screenplay and then you know Ridley Scott as director like kind of come together and go, you know, look, everybody watching the movie knows he gets back home, right? Because the movie where he doesn't get back home. Yeah. Is not a movie that anyone would watch or anyone would let them make anyway. Right, right. So once we get to the point where we're, you know, getting very close to him getting home, let's just frigging get out of let's here. Let's get him home. You know, it's let's like spend our last, but well, the, you know, there, there are certain things that, that they do effectively to slow the film down. And like you said, you know, in the first portion of that film, we need to see, cause he's really, he's really in a bad way. Not just because right, he's right. on Mars. He could have, he could have just been on the moon and been without food and what, you know, he could right. be in trouble. It's interesting to see him kind of adapt and how he's going to live beyond what his rations are. And you, you know, I, I'm a big Matt Damon fan. I thought he did great. Like he's, yeah, he, he carries, this he's movie really good. And he's yeah. the reason that the movie has any substance because as the anchor to like our emotional investment, it rise it rises and falls with him. And he plays, he plays it like up sarcastic to the point where that's really how he is in the book. Right. And it, and it's made mention in the book that Mark Watney is probably one of the few who might survive this because he can be optimistic in the face of like real tragedy. He's got a good sense right. of humor. And, and, you know, a lot of it, even in the early parts of what he has to do, there are a lot of really big name actors yeah. who would not really be able to pull this off. Right. And, and get you as hooked into the character. Yeah. Because, it's 
it's not only that it's like a tricky thing to do as an actor, but it's it's just a very specific thing to yeah. be able to do that mm-hmm. that you know not everyone can not everyone can be Mark Watney and right. you believe him, right? right? I mean, right. And you believe that uh, he could sort of have the attitude that he has or, you know, whatever. Right. I mean, there's, there's a lot of nuance to the character. And I think Matt Damon does really good almost accidentally. It's almost not because he's a really good actor. It's uh, to a certain extent just because he's him, right? You, you know, it's yeah. like uh, it's like not too long ago, Robert De Niro was just the same guy in every movie, right? right? And so you would take a movie and say this, this is a character that Robert De Niro just could be, right? And this is almost like the same kind of thing with Matt Damon. He is really good, and right. he's good because he is a good actor, right. but he as an actual person just right. kind of fits, fits into yeah. this possibility. He, he sells like there's some work to be done early in the film where again, you, what you want to do, you don't care about this story for t- almost two and a half hours. It's two hours and 20 minutes long. If you don't care about Mark Watney, you're in for a long snooze fest because you're just rooting for the planet to kill him. Right. So you have to endear yourself to him or he to us. And he does it through, you know, thinking and, and like this science and this manipulation of humor and like survival skills. And it's great. And I'm on board with all of it. One of the things like looking back, it's funny to think of the end and apply it to the whole movie. But one of his best scenes is actually near the very end when, and this doesn't, you know, this isn't a spoiler. Cause like we said, you, you assume he's getting nothing a spoiler, again, right? Because and, and there I, are and actually I'm no so surprises mad. or so anything to spoilers. I'm actually so mad at the trailers. We'll get into that in a minute, but, but um, when he's sitting in the cockpit of this makeshift shuttle waiting to blast up off Mars so that the Hermes crew can, you know, hopefully grab him, he has this emotional breakdown because he's about to leave right. and be rescued in every motion. Like he feels like he puts it right in the lap of the audience and, and he has trouble saying like, he's ready. You know, right. they're like, are you ready? Watney? And he just can't get it out. He's choking right. up. He's, he's scared. He's excited. He has this a mass of all these different things going on. And I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. You know, because it's actually like an emotion that, you know, anybody else can just say, okay, look, you're really scared. You might die, but you're also really happy. Like you got to wave all that together right? and weave whatever else you're feeling. And someone else might just like make ugly cry face or right, anything, right. you know, but he actually has these things between having to communicate and then be emotive. And I thought, like, that's basically the the guy uh, at work at yeah. his best, even though he doesn't have to do anything. I thought I thought he was really great in that scene too, but that scene for me is uh, kind of the uh, it's like the anti payoff of other things that I don't like about the movie. Right. So I think it works really well. I think it could have been a lot better. One of the things that I really don't like about the movie, and I'm not even sure if it's a problem exactly yeah because there's so much to do right right but one of the things that's really weird is we don't actually get a whole lot of him even though he's all we see right, right? because apart from the fact that you know we see that he's got happy days on and he right. listens to a lot of music or something we see the exact stuff that he does that is like, you know, what we get is basically the outline that he like submits to NASA once he gets back. Right. On this day, I did this, and right. that's why the crops would grow or whatever. And then on this day, I did this, but we don't get any of the 
insane boredom of just being there by yourself. And we even get some stuff where later on when he's using the Rover, right? Right. Then we get like this, the whole thing in like this really quick montage. Cause we're actually in a hurry at that point. Right. Right. Yeah. Where he, he drives the thing for four hours and then he just has to sit there for 13 hours right. for several days. Right. And that's what he does to try and get to this other place. And it doesn't feel like a long time. Right. And we don't get anything of, you know, just how insanely maddening it must be mm-hmm. to be up there by yourself. And I just, you know, that's one of the things where I thought, you know, in the book, this is a lot better. It's great. Because in the book, we can take a lot of time yep. to have him trying to figure out some way right. to just not go bonkers right. being by yourself that we're not going to spend a lot of time doing yeah. in the movie where, you know, you only, uh, all you get is the, the, apparently for some reason, the astronauts have the ability to watch happy days. Right. And, and see, this is one of the things that's distracting, you know, even though I know this stuff, the book, you know, Andy Weir wrote the Martian and in the book, there's a weird alchemy there because the book isn't necessarily bloated, but it does this, he, he's very smart about some of these passages that he writes where the word choices and the paragraphs and the sentences he puts together actually feel weightier when he's describing like the isolated times. Right. He doesn't necessarily go through it like, well, I picked my nose and I brushed right, my right. teeth and I cleaned my toenail, you know, nothing like that. But he goes through this kind of extrapolated, like weighty description of things and how he has to kill time and how much time he really has just to be by himself. And he describes how each of the crew members are allowed to bring uh, personal effects and hard drives are one of them. Right. And he goes through each and, you know, like Johansson has one and the captain has another and they are all very different things. Uh, the captain basically only had like an MP3 drive of disco music. Right. That's, and they, they make fun of that in the film to a point, but in the book, it's much more hardline, but also really loved the 70s because their hard drive was full of 70s tv shows right so he was like i'm watching seasons of you know chips and saturday night live or like you know welcome cotter and all these old shows and he's like i'm watching every one of them every night i watch one or two man these shows suck right but this is all i got right you know and and I feel like there are certain things that happen along the way, little touches that, yeah, they could have humanized him much more. And you don't even need to do much of it. You just show two days of him doing it. Or yeah, commenting you, on you, it. you don't need to do a lot of it. And it kind of reminded me of uh, Castaway, yeah. which you already mentioned, because obviously it's right. The thing that's weird about the movie, actually, is that the things that we have to do to go farther and crazier places to tell basically like the oldest story in the universe of stories is you know some dude gets lost by himself for a while and has to survive i mean that's like a caveman story (laughs) around the fire that's like that's like the reason we started telling stories right was because i had this experience (laughs) and i'll tell you about it right and now we have to go to mars we can't even get lost on an island anymore because when Tom Hanks, that movie was already slightly unbelievable when it came out because, and they had to have the explanation about how they're looking in the wrong place or whatever. Right. But now it's like, you know, you fire up the satellites for a couple right. of minutes right. and we'll find where that, you know, whatever. I yeah. mean, planes get lost and stuff, but it just gets less and less believable. 
So you have to be trapped on your own. Now we have to be trapped on Mars. I mean, it's like to tell the same story, we have to go farther and farther away. But in Castaway, which I don't like, and I don't think is a, yeah. is a good movie anyway. I know you hate that one. Um, but at least it at least it had several scenes within that thing that gave you the impression of, you know, how he's time is he, really he, consumed. He, he can't spend every waking moment right trying to make fire, trying right. to get rescued, whatever. And just like Mark Watney, you know, it's right. like he's got to, he's got all this stuff to do, Yeah. but that's not every second that he's awake Yeah. and he's got a lot of time. And by the time you get to the end, we're already watching all these, you know, souls and how right. many days it's been and all this stuff. And then finally it's like seven months later. So I don't even know what the thing is actually, but he's been there for like a year yeah. or something. It just doesn't really feel like a year. Right. By the time we get to the end of it, it, they they haven't really, you know, all of a sudden it's seven months later and he looks really skinny. Right. They they and they go they go look device. he's really skinny right. and he hasn't shaved for a while. Right. So now you know that he's been spending a lot of time doing nothing right. or you know whatever. It's right. just like if they had just put like a you know silent movie flashcard up there that right. just had like a paragraph yeah. for you to read yeah. about. And and they could so easily, especially with how long it is, have just put a bit more in yeah. there of the things that he does to just keep from going right. crazy. Or, you know, he reads book after book after book Even, or, um, you know, invents his own religion or something. I right. mean, you've, you've got so much time and so much to think about how, you know, one wind shift and I'm dead. Right. right. <laughs> and, right. And, and, and the book, like you said, the book is actually really... And I don't think there are some things in the book that aren't in the movie. And I don't mean just like scenes. I mean, like obstacles, big challenges, big things that they cut. And I think they were wise. There, there's a there's a big danger as Watney leaves one site to head to the crater of the second that they don't even touch on in the film. And and I kind of was glad because while we were moving through the film, I'm like, if they put that in here, this is another 30 minutes of just resolving this. Right. And they wisely left it out. But one of the things I kind of wish uh, along that vein, I wish there had been a little bit more like character development, not just with Watney, and they certainly could have done it. You know, I didn't need so many more overhead scenes of the rover moving slowly through the desert. It's pretty. It's really pretty. I don't need any more scenes of him just sitting there looking out across the landscape. I I get it. You know, what I'd like to see more, uh, one of the things that the book is really effective at doing, and because they're so great at translating it, is there were so many great moments between like NASA you know, I, I kind of felt in in a way, though it was done well, because the acting caliber there, like with Jeff Daniels and, and, and Vincent Kapoor's character, uh, Chihuahua for all these guys, you know, they pull their own weight. Even Kristen Wiig, who just doesn't have much to do with. Yeah, she, she doesn't cameo, get a lot of time, but, but she's yeah. in it and she's and I like I mean, I just like she's got a magnetism to her, not like an aesthetic, but just this presence. I like her in movies and I want her to be in more even like this. Right. Um. But in the book, their dialogue is so sharp. It's so, it's so perfect and, and back and forth. And there's contention and there's, there's worry because one person is really worried about, you know, Sean Bean's character as the mission operator, he's worried about the safety of his crew. And someone else is worried about the longevity of NASA. So are we ever going to have another space flight again? And someone right. else is only worried about the PR because that's what she has to do. She's got to take the day in and day out questions. Watching them sort of, you know, kind of, 
combine all their anxieties and all their worries into solutions is great fun in the book. And you only get a caricature of that yeah. in the movie. And, you know, one of my complaints, I'd, I'd too, is Jeff Daniels. Easily. Right. In, in this movie, not not that it's his fault. No, but, it's not. He doesn't but have his, to do. his character is really – the weird thing about it is how he stands out, you know, not – because I haven't read the book. Right. But just with the other people involved in the movie, uh, I think Sean Bean's character, even though he kind of could have a little bit more time. Yeah. His character is cool. And I believe everything his character does. Yeah. I, I believe that's really that guy. That is that guy. You know? Yeah. He is, uh, he's exactly, even when things, like things he doesn't agree with, he still thinks that's what you should do. Yep. You know, there, there right. are parts where, where they don't want to tell the people on the Hermes, right? Right. And he's kind of like, yeah, I don't think we should either. No, but we should. Right. right. <laughs> and, he's, yeah. and he's like, no, that's what we should do. And yep. I'm like, you know, he's, got even his own like inner not sure what he believes or thinks or whatever yeah. but he's i really believe him and uh, you know most everybody else i thought was very solid in being exactly a real person and then yeah. jeff daniels comes along and i'm like you know he just feels so like he should be wearing a dark suit right with a really skinny tie and, like right. he's just the government, right? You know, he's the guy, right? He's not really the leader of NASA or whatever. He's just, you know, we pulled a character who was called the government out of some other movie and just wrote him in here real fast. Right. And he has some moments where he's not that bad. Yeah. But for a lot of it, I just felt like, you know, I want him to be a little bit different guy and not just be, uh, you know, he just, he he just didn't get a, fair shake i yeah, think I agree. as a character and he gets he gets written better later actually when the movie opens and it's and it's him giving a speech you know oh, or, or shortly the movie you know starts and it's right. him giving a speech i actually cringed because that speech was absolutely not what the director of nasa would ever say right like it was absolutely like a high school class saying how would you write this scene and then we'll have him read it it was so awkward and clunky, and I went, "Oh no, they rewrote a lot." And of the when book. when they've got like uh, Mark Watney, and he just comes out and he's like, "So he's dead," right? Right. Really? Yep. Questions? <laughs> like why? You know, why even right. call a press conference? No just one send would ever an email. Like that, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, well, so there's there's all these things. One of my favorite, you know, and it's really weird to think of this just because we're talking about Sean Bean. Uh, what a meta moment to have when they all get together to talk about what their options are and they call it Elrond. Yeah. And he's the guy who has to <laughs> right, explain right. to Kristen Wiig, who's like, I hate everybody. And like, it, I hate right. all of you for the secret name. Right. And the, the and, he, joke and there, he gets to say, right. He gets to, he gets to describe that it's based on the Lord of the Rings, which he was in, you right. know, he was actually in the movie. So there's this, I mean, that's such a great moment to just be like, why don't you do it? Right. You know, it, there were a lot of little flashes of humor. And this brings me to one of my biggest gripes about the film, which has very little to do with the film itself. This is a very specific argument about trailers. I feel like, and I only saw two spots. I know there were a bunch. And I, oh, I, think we, God, I don't remember if we were. talked about it on air last week or if we were just talking about it. But I know there were a lot, and they were giving a lot away. So much of the humor, so much of the personality of Watney is given away in the trailers that when you finally see the scene in the film, though it is effective and affecting, it's flat. Because I've seen it six times between Taco Bell ads. Which one? Where he's 
where he's talking about, uh, you know, and it doesn't have to just necessarily be one-liners, but where he's talking about being the greatest botanist on the planet. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Take that yeah. Neil Armstrong. Right, right. You know, they're all, they're all things, stuck in the trailer. All yeah, of these moments right. that are actually very personable and character-defining, and, and not necessarily like I bust my gut laughing. And we saw the movie, thankfully, and it was nice to see, though we didn't have our good seats, uh, in a relatively packed theater. And they all seem to respond to that stuff. Right. I don't know how often they saw trailers or if they saw but it, any. It it is kind of but a bummer really when you see air out of it. Yeah. You know, when you no, see a trailer, no when you see a trailer and you think, oh, that looks good. Right. And then you go see the movie and you realize really the best moments the best you've stuff. already right. seen. Right. It doesn't matter if it's a comedy that gives you all the best jokes or if it's right. something like this where. You know, you're right. And I just felt and, like that and stuff even was so flat. And it, it was kind of funny because I did think of this when they had the the part where his university oh, yeah. emailed him or whatever yeah. and said, right. you know, technically you've colonized Mars. So now we yep. gave now I gave that away. So That's the tra- okay. tra- I, I thought when that happened. At least that wasn't in the trailer because right. that was like that another was one. one. That was another and space one. pirate one is kind, kind of, of like yeah. right, right. Right, that was good. And those are great moments in the book. Those are almost literally translated from how fun they were in the book. It's just, it's you know, now I hear it in, in uh, Matt Damon's aspect, right. you know. But. There, so another problem I have with the movie, um, we have plenty of time, but we should, uh, I don't want to forget things. But, you yeah. know, there's, uh, one of them is kind of, I think, a silly thing. Yeah. And And I'll take it for being silly, I guess. And another one, like my main problem with the movie is that it doesn't actually give you enough of him. And I feel like there's a lot of Ridley Scott going on in this movie. Yeah, I agree. Where the ultimate result of this movie reminds me a lot of Chris Columbus directing Harry Potter. Yeah, because I'm interested in this. Because what you do is you've got this super popular book. And, and basically it just gives you everything you need to know. Right. Right. And there's, you know, like you said, there's going to be some things that just have to be in there for the fan service or whatever, but you're building off of this really good book and you go, who do I want to direct this? Do I want someone like, you know, Alfonso Cuaron to, to direct it? Right. Who may make something really cool but may make something that I don't like that much. Yeah. Or do I want to give it to somebody who will take, you know, the exact mediocrity of what I give them or whatever level it's at and probably will just do like a serviceable, they play it safe, you know, know, right. Here you go kind of thing. And that's what I felt like. I'm like, dude, you're Ridley Scott, like do something other than just, freaking translate a book right you know i mean do some movie yeah. thing with it you know i mean it's like adapting a book to a movie should not be we just take all the pages of the book and figure out how to you know whittle it down right. enough that it can be a movie and then we just shoot exactly what it says in the book right. and at the end you have a movie yeah. like by definition because i put enough film together right. and now i have a movie there was just something missing of like trying to make a movie out of this. Yeah. And, and then there was, and, and for me, a lot of that came from losing all the stuff where you just get more into him as he's spending all this time alone. He's got like a year of being by himself 
hardly with anyone to talk to for a long time. He has no one to talk to. Yeah. And while we get the story that comes out of the book, I don't know that we really get, you know, kind of really movie, really yeah. like a great uh, additional something to it right. that that adds to it being a movie. And one of the things that, uh, you know, my silly gripe is the Iron Man thing at the end. Right. By the time we get to that. So I don't know if that's in the book or not. Yeah. If it's in the book, take it out of the movie because. Yeah. If you're if you're watching the movie and you're trying to make a good movie, by the time we get to that point, the Iron Man thing for me is really kind of like a killer thing. Right. It's it's like, um, you know, everything that happens in a movie has to be at the exact last second. Right. And, you know, there can be, you know, if if somebody would have sneezed at the wrong time, right. he'd be dead. Right. right? Yeah. Because that's just how exact and close it is and all this. By the time we get to that point, you know, just let them get him. Right. I mean, just, right. you know, just be able to plot the math and do the thing, whatever. And, you know, get it over with. We don't need yet another goofy dramatic thing, especially one where, where basically he's not in control. Right. And and like if he would have sneezed or hiccuped or something like right. that, Done. or not just been completely lucky, which is kind of what actually happened. Right. You know, he'd have just been flying off in the yeah. other direction, and there'd been nothing they could do about it. Right. You know, I mean that's it's just it's too much. You know, like movie nonsense that at that point. It's like uh, you know the girl in the horror movie tripping over a root. I right. mean, it's just right. it's just kind of nonsensical. And then. You know, the other thing that kind of bugged me, especially because the movie kept going on and on uh, because it, it was kind of getting yeah. longer. The more time I had to think about it, you know, then you start thinking about right. things. And with this movie, as as stuff goes wrong and obviously stuff is going to go wrong, but it's weird because I was irritated both at the things that went wrong and the things that didn't go wrong. Right. Because it's like so long and you're on Mars so like on the one hand, when that thing blows mm -hmm. and he like puts this tarp over the thing, right? all I could think was they don't have a freaking solution for that. Yeah. Like you're sending me to Mars where something could easily happen to this right. and there's no way to fix it. You don't send me with anything that can fix anything other than I have a roll of duct tape yeah. and, <laughs> and I have, yeah. and it's just, it's, you know, it'd be fine if it was the only thing that went wrong, but it's like stuff keeps happening and happening and happening. And the more things happen, the more you kind of think they were supposed to be there for like a month at least. And no one's going to Mars on the either everything works out perfectly or you're all dead. Right. I mean, that's, right. that's not like a theory. And then the other thing was he's there for so long and nothing else would break. And it was really bugging me because I'm going, you know, half the time I can't get my phone to work right or, right. you right. know, whatever the batteries run out on this. I'm like shit should be breaking everywhere right. and and there's actually so few things yeah that go wrong it was a really weird mix of by the time we send people to mars on these missions i'm thinking there are like four or five things in orbit that we send yeah, way we, before right, people get there call it down if we need some more right parts. exactly yeah, right, that it's yeah. like uh here's you know that thing broke right okay you just push this button and a thing comes down from right. the yeah from the orbiting yeah station or like something room service like nasa room service. exactly yeah. yeah but but all so, of the things that he fixed with 
duct right. tape or putting tarps on. He had a on. lot of MacGyverisms. The weird thing is, is that they don't send a bunch of stuff to fix a lot of things, right. but they send like a hundred miles of tarp. Right. Because right. there's always a tarp. Right. If you need another one, yeah. he's always got right. it. And, you know, at the end, when they get to that, uh, you know, taking apart the uh, the thing that he's going to finally fly right, the in other, the other shuttle, and yeah. like put a tarp on it and right. all that. Right. It's like they work out all this stuff, but then seven months later or, you know, whatever right. it is, it's like then when he has already spent a lot of time doing a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. we now figured out that. Right. right. Really? Because no, because you're all on Earth, yeah. not trapped on Mars right. with plenty of time to figure that out way before i showed up right yeah. i mean yeah. anyway well maybe it'll do for you know maybe it'll do wonders for tarp sales and duct tape and things like that uh, the book is the book is very exciting it's not terribly long and even though it's full of uh scientific information it's actually presented in a way that like even if you don't understand it you understand that that makes sense Right. Like it's actually this really accessible. You volume. understand that the principle. Right. And, and it actually, Andy Weir actually kind of breaks it down sometimes. And it's just like, well, like when he's describing and it's kind of verbatim in the film, he goes, I know how to make water. I just have to get two hydrogen to right. you know, and, and he's like, I can do this. And in the book, it is a little bit more descriptive, but never boring. When I'm when I'm reading the book, I understand like this would be such an easy movie. And and like what you're saying about Ridley Scott, like do something like in a way, maybe. Because the book is, and the source material by nature is so thematic and easy, maybe he just, when he put his style on it, it was for, you know, the action stuff, the space stuff, the, the visuals. It, it is such an adaptation of the book. He probably didn't have to do much, you know, and that's both good and bad. You know, otherwise, why do you need Ridley Scott? Just put well, exa- you know, exactly. Scott that's, in. You know, that, that's what I'm. That's what yeah. I'm saying. And it was the same thing with. Um, and he may have. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is, Ridley may have enjoyed the book so much. He's like, I don't really want to change anything. I just want to film it. Right. You know, and there's not much room to, you know, adapt because what you like is already there. So maybe. Right. And but, and, but you know, that's the thing that's that still I not an excuse for. That's what, the thing that I don't really like. I know. And for me, you know, like I said harry potter for me harry potter gives you the perfect example in in both ways the first two movies are fine the you know the kids the kids the kids love them they're perfectly serviceable uh movies anybody else could have directed them though. right the, the fact it's that very chris, safe. the fact that chris columbus directed it you know really does nothing and if you swap him out with you know, a hundred other right. directors, it's not going to make any difference to the end result you get. Right. You get to the one that Alfonso Cuaron directed and right. it's awesome. It's night and day. Then you see and, it, yeah. and you couldn't just replace him with anyone and say, film the book right. and get that movie. Right. Because right. he's, he's done something to yeah. it, you know? And, yeah. and like you said, why have Ridley Scott? Right. Right. If, if this is what you're going to get, not that, you know, I mean, like you said earlier, we're still giving it eight. So like we're, yeah, I mean, we sound it, like we're giving it threes no, maybe or something. In a strange it's way. still really good. I just want to, you know, kind of yeah. feel the director there. You know, I don't yeah. want to watch a movie and go, I have no idea who directed this. And it could have right. been anyone. And right. it wouldn't have mattered, you right. know, and, and it's great. Right. But still, yeah, uh, I don't I don't have any I don't I, get anything. I think from it's going to do really well at the box office. I think it's going to do really well with reviews. And already crushing at the box. You know, I think people are going to really enjoy this because every once in a while you want to see like a 
a movie like A Few Good Men. You just want to see a star-studded Hollywood film with tons of actors you know, people with talent everywhere, and an exciting story that's kind of engaging. And, and, you know, I, I try to listen sometimes to what's happening in the theater around us. The people behind us were gasping at moments. You know, they're like, the people behind us kept asking what was going on. People Which behind kind you, of driving people me behind nuts. you to the right, they needed the pop-up video. Exactly. You know, they're like, what is that? Well, that's, that's the stuff he's going to need to keep living. You know, why does he need to bring that? Well, he, he'll die without the potatoes. You know, <laughs> I, I heard those people. Right. The people off on my side, which clearly were the smarter side, they were, you know, they were reacting to a lot of the stuff, laughing in all the right spots, gasping when things were dangerous. Um, yeah, I... I, I I don't have a lot of stones to throw at it, except in in little ways, just nitpicky ones. You yeah, know? And, yeah. And for that me, regard, for me, it's the it's the same thing. I have a lot of things that I don't like about this movie. Yeah. But in the sense that I think this movie could have easily been a ten, yeah. and I want to see the ten movie. Yeah, I do too. And here's the reasons that it's only it, an eight. And right. it sounds like I'm, you know, as we always do, it sounds like I'm completely ripping on the movie, and it's awful. Right. But when you get a movie, you know, with the movies that we see throughout a year, yeah. when you get a movie that you go, this could have been a 10, and it's not, yeah, it's a lot more irritating than the movie that you thought was going to be a 5 right. and is a 4. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, because there's the expectation. There's all the components. Like, if you say, if this movie was a little better, it might have been a 6. Right. And, <laughs> You're like, and then who cares, story. right? But this movie... Right. It's weird, too, because as we do every week, probably, you know, they're so easy to fix, <laughs> I think. I think that, I think this one's easy to I fix, I think too. it's not a lot of work to get this a lot closer to a 10. Yeah, Anyway, maybe not a 10, but um, yep. I feel like, you know, that scene, like you were saying, when he's crying at the end. Yeah. I think that was a good scene, and I think Matt Damon did everything he was going to do perfectly. Right. If there had been a slightly different movie behind him, right when he did it, it would have been really a uh, whole right. other level. Yeah. You know, if we would have just had, you know, a little bit more of the experience of him going through it. You know, it's like the, um, uh, what the hell's the movie? Um, you know, the Robert Redford uh, on the boat that just came out. Oh yeah. Uh, um. All something I don't know. God. He's uh, the movie where that he's was so much fun. The movie where he's all right. by himself on the boat and hardly even right. ever talks. Right. It, we're just watching him be on the boat. Yeah. I wanted a little bit of that movie to be in in this movie somewhere all where is we're lost. Yeah, right. all is lost. Where we're just Damn. seeing a little bit more of the struggle and the yep. and the. You know, even though I don't necessarily want Matt Damon to just sit on a dune and stare, you know, right. at the mountains a lot right. more, I want something more of what that's supposed to be doing. Yeah. You know, just the fact that he is as screwed as you can be right. and has to just sit there and take it forever. Right. There's a there's a moment that sells that too. Remember in in you know, there's a there's a portion maybe halfway through or, or a little less than that in the film when everybody at NASA finally realizes Mark Watney's alive. Right. And Vincent Kapoor like looks over at Teddy and he's like, he's a billion miles from right, home. Right. We all think he, he thinks we all don't know he's alive. He's doomed. Like, how does that feel? What must he be thinking? 
And it cuts to a very funny moment because that's that's the levity of the, of right, the film. Right. But that's the thing. Like, you don't just have to say that. Show it. Right. Show dark period. I get right. that he can be upbeat and still opt- you know, optimistic about his chances and he's going to do what he can. He's going to have bad days, too. One of those souls right. is going to be like, exactly. I should kill myself. If, What's there, my if, there were just a, if there was just a little bit in there somewhere right. in between watching Happy Days. Right. And the book in the in the months and months right. and months that he has to do, you know, god awful stuff just to be able to wake up the next morning. Right. If we'd have just had like a few minutes right. of, you know, just despair at the right. fact that you're freaking on Mars, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're all alone, you right. know, and there's that solitude of things, and you know, still eight. Yeah, it's still you really, know. it's still, it's really good, and it is one of those movies, like you were saying, like A Few Good Men, where you just keep watching people you know. Yeah. And there's, as much as it uh, pains me to actually say, just throw a bunch of, like, stars at your movie, right? Right, right. But there's something about this movie and just having all these people that you're familiar with, that you've seen before, you know, if you make this movie completely cast with uh no one anyone knows right <laughs> and right. give it the same budget and let them do whatever sure. even if they're all really good it's still a little bit different movie it is. you're just in with these familiar faces right. and well this could be a foreign film know. this could be right. a chinese movie or a japanese film about the exact same thing with all their stars from their nation and i would be like that's eh, okay <laughs> But, you know, you identify more with the guy who gives you, you know, memories of Will Hunting and Jason Bourne and all the, you know, whatever, all these things. You're like, I want that guy to win. Right. That's that's the everyman representation right now in our generation. So, yeah, well, I'm behind that. Right. So. And, uh, you know, there could have been, even though there was, like you said, uh, you know, a lot of it when he's getting water. Yeah. And he kind of says, well, I just need to do this and that. And then I have right. water and whatever. And then, you know, I, I bring in the dirt and I, right. you know, plant the potatoes and stuff. If there was like a little bit more uh, where, you know, he kind of was like MacGyver and things um, to get something else yeah. to happen or whatever. But in this, for me, there was a lot more focus on, I have to get the Rover to go really far away to find the old thing right. that was on Mars once that yeah. maybe I can communicate. Yeah. And not enough of, okay, I'm here and I'm screwed and this is all I have. Right. And I got to make shit work somehow. That, right. that would have been a little just more yeah. fun and involved I, in his character uh, instead yeah. of, you know, I have to walk this far is not right. him. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's For, not, for, you know, getting we're getting close, you know, to the end. For me, the big thing is there wasn't as much emotional value to everything else that was happening. Like the stuff in the book from the source material, NASA really struggles with what to do with him. Right. The Hermes crew, they struggle, you know, in some way. There's a lot of guilt there. Like, holy crap, we left our this isn't just some guy on the bus that they right. got off on the wrong right. stop. Like right. this is their this is their crewmate. And by you know, by association, like family, they have to realize how to get him back, how to keep him safe. It, it all just kind of feels like, oh, we left him. Well, that just means our trip is extended by another two years. We, we got. I mean, we're gonna go get him, right? But you know, and there's a little bit more involved to that. And, and it would have been nice to have seen it. That it would have been nice. It would have been nice so. too, because you know, some of it in that respect is kind of the, you know, patriotic thing you have to say. Yeah, right. And you can't right. have a person not just say that. 
would have been nice if somebody struggled with that decision a little bit. Agreed. You know, I mean, I've got my wife on earth. I'm supposed to be there here. You know, it's not like another week. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right? And it's another week and everyone would go, well, yeah. Right. Right. It's another months and months and months. Yeah. I mean, it's a long, long time. And I'm okay with their decision, but yeah, a little bit more effort would have been. All right. We're, uh, we're running out of time. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for tuning in next week is going to be pan it's a crapshoot yeah it's gonna be pan it might be it might be two uh right. I, I don't the know walk, the, knock knock all these other things are opening up right and you know i don't know i think pan is like the the big big thing so that will definitely be next week yeah. and maybe something else in addition maybe. but uh uh we're running out of time thanks for tuning in uh please please share subscribe rate us on itunes <laughs> review us on itunes and uh, otherwise uh, trick your friends into listening to it. <laughs> Bye. Cabela's is coming to Northern Virginia with their spectacular new store in Gainesville. Find everything you need for hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting sports, plus much more. Join us for our grand opening celebration Thursday, March 9th at 10 a.m. Be one of the first 500 in line and receive a Cabela's gift card worth up to $500, plus a chance to win one of three Remington firearms. See store for details. Don't miss Cabela's grand opening in Gainesville, located off I-66 and Highway 29 near Virginia Gateway.